Logocentrifugal Podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logocentrifugal. You might be Logocentrifugal. While you're trying to figure that out, let me introduce today's special guest. I have with me the man, the myth, the legend. It's Swift himself. Now, this is a man who, yeah, this is a man who I, I guess I stumbled across him on Twitter because, um, number one, he's, he's strongly connected with uh, the one and only Ivan Throne, and also because a previous guest on this podcast, Jeremy Fox, um, highly recommended that I have a conversation with him. But to add to that, just he's very well known, and I guess we'll call the male-oriented self-improvement realm of Twitter or whatever you want to name that. But um, as I've paid attention to him, he often has very insightful things to say, and he says them in language that's typically very simple, but still transmits a lot of wisdom in it. And then every once in a while, um, he'll jump in with a quip about murdering somebody that makes me laugh. (laughs) And all of those things kind of combine to reach out and try to bring him on the podcast. And with that very sparse introduction, Swift, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you being here, and why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks for the invitation. And um, yeah, Jeremy recommended that I take you up on your offer. Um, Quickly, it's not always murder. Murder is usually for self. um, uh, Selfish reasons. Uh, There's always killing. If you kill under authority, you're still good with the grace of God. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so, so <clears throat> uh, I am Praetorian Swift, uh, Mr. Swift or Swift. It's fine. Um, there's no ego there. Um, as well, again, um, yes, one uh, close friend with Ivan Throne. Uh, him and I have been friends for I think about four years now, roughly. Um, it all started out. He asked me to actually be his bodyguard uh, on a book tour for the nine laws um, after I, I was one of many that was, uh, that he honored with asking to proofread the nine laws. So after I think it was seven versions, I proofread, he finally landed on one with uh, myself and three other people and then Castelia house. So that was an honor. Um, and then the more and more we got to, I don't know, meet other people, um, and travel a little bit, uh, somebody goes, you should really start talking more or you, where's your Twitter account or what do you do? Or, you know, you have a lot to say, so just get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, there are not many people who are as vocal uh, or who are willing to be vocal from my, from a niche in the world that I come from. Um, so the, you know, the, the retired cop, the former paramedic, the, um, uh, you know, uh, contractor who has their entire faith-based system on uh, Christ uh, and still be able to do that job effectively, efficiently, uh, and discreetly. Um, so I, I write a little bit. Um, I don't write as much as I want to. Um, I don't, I wish I, I wish I had enough time to write as much as Brometheus does, you know, <laughs> day. Um, and uh, he's a friend of mine too. Um, so, um, but I've got a, a few books in the works. 
uh, a couple's book my wife and I are working on together. Um, a book uh, that is pretty heavy that I've already been asked to get it into, um, especially the Southern Baptist Convention, into their little library that they share amongst all the churches. Um, like we said, you said, you know, male improvement. I, I don't think it's, you know, improving yourself is more like sharpening yourself. Um, you know, some guys think, oh, I'll, you know, I'll get better, but it, it's how you sharpen yourself and what you sharpen yourself on um, will get you where you want to be, especially if you know you're not there yet. You know, that's a, the sharpening is a useful metaphor because on the one hand, if you don't know what you're doing when you sharpen your blade, it won't get sharpened at all. You'll just end up dulling it. And on the other hand, maybe you still don't know what you're doing and you get a very sharp blade, but it dulls very quickly. Um, whereas if you sort of fall in between and you've learned the craft of how to sharpen your blade, then you'll get a sharp blade that also has some resiliency. And, and I think that's kind of, I think that's a, what most of us are shooting for is the ability to stay on top of things and to be able to take care of our responsibilities, um, including many that you focus on in the realm of maybe self-defense and, and these kinds of things. But on the other hand, we don't want to uh, get worn out too fast or, or to burn out or anything. And I wonder, just to kind of kick this back to you, where where you see people going wrong in that process of sort of honing their own edge and maybe what you would do about the most common problems that you see in that sort of realm. Um, to stay with your metaphor, uh, which I do like, uh, because I do, I, um, I dabble in blacksmithing and bladesmithing. Um, I've made a few that are on the belts of some, some of the tips of the spear, if you will, um, I left with some people over wherever they're held are at right now. Um, so um, you can sharpen your edge yourself to the point of being almost like a scalpel. Um, would be you'd be the expert, the SME, the subject matter expert on whatever part of your life that you want to do, but you have finally ground an edge to the point where it's only good for one cut. Hmm. And then you are now this, you can now are discarded and replaced by somebody else because you have, that's it. You have the one purpose. And that's not what God made men for just single, well, one single purpose apart from spreading the word of God. But God didn't make us just for one single purpose. Um, you can also sharpen yourself to the point where you are, more like a machete, you know, it's an okay edge. It'll hold up, but it's really, it's blunt. Um, you know, being a guy that's strong and blunt will get you only so far in life in relationships as a father in work, um, with your friends, but it's, it's still, you know, it's big and bulky and blunt. Um, I would prefer that, um, Man, especially the guys that I coach um, online, we I try to help well round them to, I guess, sharpen themselves to like more of a utility 
edge on a knife. It's still good. You can still shave your hair off your arm, um, but you can still, you know, open that um, beard can when you pop the, the tab off. You know, it'll still work. Uh, what's a, um, you know, you're not as old as I am, but the old Ginsu commercial, you know, it'll cut a cinder block, it'll cut a pop can, and it'll still slice a tomato, you know, <laughs> type thing. <laughs> so that that's what I try to help and guide um, the young men that I coach into. Um, so that type of that type of edge, the most, um, I guess, the most needed or most thing I talk about the most uh, to young men. Um, Jeremy and I uh, have discussed it many times. Actually, him and I just went to a training together uh, not too long ago, uh, three weeks ago, I believe. Uh, sorry, I got five kids, so my weeks kind of fly by or they seem all like a, you know, two months apart. Um, we did, uh, was it, uh, crap, Emo not emotional survival. Oh, traumatic uh, incidents, stress debriefing for individuals and groups. Mm. Because my, his niche, his professionalism, and then my background, um, I, I, I was contacted and said, hey, we're having this training. Do you want to come? I'm like, sure. Can I bring a partner or a buddy? And I'm like, who do you want to bring? And I told them, they're like, who's that? And I go, oh, he's a, you know, he does EMDR. Um, the counselor's, you know, therapist down there. And they're like, bring him. So I called him or texted him. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing next week? He's like, nothing. I go, you know, take the time off. Let's go to class. So we went to that class together. Um, but again, most of the most of the talk I give or guidance I, I give in the upfront part of the coaching session is that religion will kill your faith. Faith itself is what will give you life. Um, Jesus was not, nor ever will be a pussy. Um, so um, he's not some weak man uh, and he is one to chase after to emulate so christian you know christ-like uh, it's it's okay to want to pursue his teachings his example um, and understand what his anger was his compassion was and his mercy uh, and none of those are being weak hmm. That's, the, that's usually the biggest thing I touch on um, in my coaching session. Yeah, and you know, that's a very important point that's, that's really um, maybe relevant right now, especially in, in this realm, because there's been a lot of talk and a lot of controversy and a lot of argumentation over some of the things you just talked about. And to me, the inability to have any of those things is a sign of weakness. I mean, if you're not physically robust, if you are not aware of your surroundings, if you don't have the capacity to defend yourself and the people who are in your care, that's, that's a certain sort of weakness. But on the, on the flip side, if you don't have the ability to understand the emotional and psychological um, you know, things that people are dealing with and to be able to have a little compassion for that and to be able to step back from your, maybe like a more reactionary frame of reference and say, okay, why is this person acting like this? What can I do to maybe intervene with some of these things that they're doing that are less than helpful or suboptimal in their behavior and the people around them? 
then you can develop that sort of empathy and compassion, but then combine it with the idea that, look, I'm, I'm here to help you, but if you try to take advantage of me, there's going to be consequences there. And as a man with a family, and I actually talked about this with Bobby Dino on a random periscope that I jumped in on because um, Ivan was having technical difficulties the other night. But I talked about, look, if you, because I'm more from the school of Bobby than I am from the school of Praetorian Swift. You know, I, I came out of the darkness and then stepped into the light rather than like uh, have been a guard dog for the flock this whole time. And I told him, right. look, man, just because most people won't cross certain lines doesn't mean that nobody will. And the people that will, you're not necessarily going to know them unless you know that you, you know them because you've dealt with them. I know them because I once was one of them and I've seen a bunch of them and, and know their tricks. And, you know, I even know the way they look in their eyes and their body language and stuff, but you don't get to know that unless you're looking for it. But if you don't have the capacity to, to have at least a basic situational awareness and some physical strength and at least some basic martial prowess, then what are you supposed to do when you're walking down the street with your family and somebody wants to hurt you and them? It's sort of part of the responsibility of being a man and having a family is the ability to protect them because who are you going to rely on if not yourself to do that? And I wonder, you know, these gentlemen that you coach and, and you have to sort of introduce that framework to say, hey, it's, it's sure it's important to be strong and it's important to know how to defend yourself, but it's also important to be able to connect with people and to have a little compassion and a little bit of wisdom to help guide them and to have that same compassion and wisdom to guide your own emotions and thoughts and actions. Um, where, what are some of the tools you use to, to help them round out that maybe second half that many men struggle to understand or to integrate? Um, I, um, uh, it just depends. It's in, it's individualized, uh, depending upon the guy. Uh, I mean, I have some questions, and the music carries on in a conversation to figure out what's going on, what is what I see is lacking, or what I see would solidify um, and flip a weakness into a strength. Um, uh, somebody goes, man, that's just emotional judo. I'm like, well, yeah, it is. So, um, you know, is it okay to cry? I don't know. Did you smash your finger? Yeah. Not okay to cry. You know, <laughs> did something happen? Well, seriously, you know, you know, smashing your finger, you probably did something stupid. So, uh, but you know, is, is something that hurt your kids emotionally or there's some, um, uh, turmoil, um, you know, do you worry about your kids dying or, or, um, you know, your wife is sick, cancer, depression, something like that. Yeah. It's okay to cry. You know, um, shit happens. Shit's heavy. Um, I do. I, do, I mean, Ivan and I have talked many times. Um, I've got an article I'm going to probably throw out at him pretty hard. Um, the myth of the dark world. This is not a dark world. Um, it's the world. That's it, period. Um, but again, it's just his perspective, my perspective. Um, I've been a Christian a whole lot longer than he, um, and we have a lot of theological debates and discussions. Um, uh, so, uh, but 
the um, ah, you know what what your passion where where are you vulnerable um, who are you vulnerable to you know it's okay to be vulnerable to select people not to everybody you know don't wear your heart on the sleeve because if you you know if your heart's on your sleeve someone's going to eat it um, but you know your wife should be you know, and I don't really care who's going to, someone's going to say something about it. What I'm, what I'm about to say, someone's going to knock it down. And I don't really care because it, they're nothing to me. Um, but, you know, you should be vulnerable to your wife the most in this entire world. Um, she should know you and she should be the only one that affects your mood. Um, you know, I've had one guy um, a couple of years ago. You know, he tried to kill me, you know, um, I still wasn't pissed off. Uh, you know, we put him down, I put him down and, and, uh, you know, before the lights went all the way out, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, and Jesus still loves you, but what the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the last question uh, you get in your life. That'd be a trip, man. <laughs> oh, um, but, uh, oh no, no, he didn't, we, he didn't, we didn't kill him. Uh, we put him down and, and um, uh, shot placements on purpose. They did a R, uh, sorry, RSI, rapid sequence innovation. So they had to paralyze him um, and knock him down um, to make the ET tube work. Uh, medical with the induced coma uh, on a stretcher. So, you know, that's, that's all he said. When, it, when they woke up, he woke up three weeks later. And he's like, where'd that deputy go? He said, Jesus still love me, but what the fuck? You know? <laughs> So, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I got in trouble for my mouth all the time, but I just tell the truth and I, I ask the truth question, you know, what the, um, I'm still working on it. I'm not supposed to cuss and it's biblical. I always, for the longest time I thought, oh, I'm just a cussing Christian. It's okay. It's not. So that's another thing I'm working on in my life. One of my issues. Um, but uh, usually, yeah, vulnerable, um, helping guys see that it's okay to be vulnerable and who they select to be vulnerable to, and then where to guard, um, and who to guard from, and what to kind of, you know, no one's a mind reader, uh, so you pretty much have to do the what if game, be prepared, uh, be proactive for that. Um, mm. Yeah, with our kids, you know, with your kids, I'm a parent, um, I won't be my children's friend, until they're probably married and past that. But until then, you know, they know it. They don't like it, but they know it. So look to to the family thing. Um I'm not one of those who's gonna think you're foolish for that. I've been married eleven years. I have three daughters. Um Congrats. and wife knows me inside and out. Yeah, same to you. You yeah. know, and there are times when I've been quite vulnerable with my wife and she does affect my mood because I've chosen to make that connection with her. I've chosen right. to say it's you and it's me and we were made for each other and we're united. And so I share everything with you because that's my duty as one half of this partnership is we share everything and we work through things together. And when I right. have things to work through, I use you because you're smart and you understand me and you have a different perspective that's valid and relevant to me because you're my wife and I chose you for that purpose. And, sh and that's Correct. the same for me. 
And as far as the kids and not being their buddies, look, I'm, I'm your buddy right up until the point where you disobey me and you do stupid shit that's going to ruin your life. And I have to step in and discipline you, whether it's with, uh, you know, a calm talk where we have to escalate to a lecture, we have to escalate to removing privileges, or if you need a spanking, even after all that stuff, that's what's going to happen. And, you know, it is what it is. And my kids, you know, sometimes, sometimes after getting lectured about the same damn thing for 20 times in 20 days because they kept making the same choice. Well, you know, you might look at dad and not be that stoked to see me around. But I told, I told my oldest daughter just the other day, I said, look, for some reason you think that you're going to wear out my resolve or my will. You're a nine year old kid and I'm a grown man. (laughs) And I'm your father and it's my responsibility to teach you. If you think you're going to wear me down, you don't understand me at all because there are two of us here and one of us is going to buckle and it ain't going to be me, kid. So good luck with that. (laughs) So, uh, you know, but, but on the other hand, I love my kids in a way that parents who don't have some sort of psychological missing link or whatever they all understand it's just you look at them and and every day they develop and they grow and you think right when they're born you could never love another little human more but then every day you do because you get to know them and it just is a wonder so i you know i love that and i guess i guess i'm curious you know you you talked about ivan and he's a very interesting character because his view of the world has been colored by quite a few challenges that most people don't have to face and you've also teamed up with somebody that maybe at one point in your life he would have been very different and you might have been somewhat different and and you guys would have been um you know sort of like this with each other and and now that instead of this it's more like this and you're kind of sharing perspectives and that man's bobby dino who i mentioned earlier and i know you guys have a a podcast uh, called the bridge that you are working on and I'm very curious to to understand what went into the process behind the lead up to that happening and also I, I suppose what what the goal is or what the ambition is behind teaming up with Bobby to sort of present these two different worlds to to the rest of the world. Um, I mean what are your hopes to accomplish with that sort of enterprise? Okay. We Bobby reached out to me um, after I think one of Ivan's feast of wars uh, in Napa that um, Alexander attended as well, uh, Cortez, uh, who's a friend of mine as well. Um, so Bobby reached out to me. We little DM back in here, you know, back and forth for a while, and then um, um, like a video phone call or something like that. And then I was like, man, this is just taking forever. Here's my damn number. Call me. So um, we talked, we chatted, um, you know, we do back and forth. We've um, done probably six dress rehearsals of the bridge. Cause it's going to be a video, a video podcast um, or whatever they call it. Vlog. I, I am not tech at all. Uh, Bobby and I actually roped in uh, Tiger. He's our producer. Cool. So if so, if you know Tiger, he's our producer. So it should be off the chain, if that's the right metaphor. I'm still working <laughs> on that. I'm 33. <laughs> I'm, I'm lost as you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah it's gonna be awesome um he reached out and he's like hey dude you know um what do you think about doing something together and i was like sure what do you got in mind uh because our very first discussion was and it's still in the works uh we him and i will be putting together a e-course on situational awareness mm. how to get it by survive basically uh, and then we also said, hey, what, you know, what about a podcast? So we've got some great guests lined up. Um, Tristan, Tate, Andrew's brother, Trevor Clarkson, the Kali master. Uh, he's up in uh, Vancouver. Um, we're going to actually have Jeremy on as well to talk about some trauma stuff. Um, and we're also going to stay outside the box for the podcast as well. Uh, I've got a chief district attorney lined up for hmm. interview to really give some other insight. Um, I've, we've got some um, other colorful characters lined up because it's going to be back and forth, you know, both sides of the law badge, you know, doesn't matter just the truth and dealing with life. Um, you know, that type of, that type of talk, uh, just, guys doesn't matter what side of the badge or side of the law we were on you know uh, he's a family guy or you know a family guy he was on one side i was on one side and probably even if we would have been in the same jurisdiction um even if i would have had to have interaction with him uh him and i probably would have just bullshitted on the way to jail so um so we've got some great stuff coming up um uh, heavy it, it'll be heavy it'll be light it'll be fun um, we're still going to do a Darwin award, the criminal Darwin award. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, uh, shoot. We got some other stuff, but we, it's going to be awesome. Um, uh, again, Tiger's going to put it all together for us. Um, it's going to be great. That's cool. And, uh, you know, not for nothing, but, uh, I've had, I think you're my 70th guest on here. Oh, nice. Everybody, uh, you know, I've had Alexander, I've had Bobby, I've had Jeremy, I've had, I've had, I've had the usual crew, and then I've had some wackos and just some buddies of mine, and I've got some, got some real characters coming up too. But uh, we can, you know, we can talk about this another time. But it might not be a bad idea to chuck some guests back and forth or whatever. But um, I suppose that's neither here nor there. I find yeah. it very interesting to the idea that you guys have put together because, you know. I was quite religious as a young man and then I walked away from my church and I did that because I, I felt like, you know, I'm a pretty clever guy in certain ways and in certain ways I'm the opposite of that. But in some of the ways I was clever, I wasn't getting very good answers and right. I was, I was too young to really be mature about that and to just go, okay, well I'm going to make up my own mind. And so I just kind of threw the bird to the whole religious life and went off the deep end and, right. you know, drugs and crime and violence and the whole nine yards, you know, I just turned into a big piece of shit. And then at a certain point in my life, I, everybody was dying or going to prison. And I, you know, I was living the exact same life and I'd had run-ins with both of those situations and I had to decide what I wanted to do. And I just turned around and, you know, I kind of had to have faith that, well, I've got all these years of this behavior and I got all this weight on my shoulders because of it, but I'm just going to turn around and walk the other way and see what happens. I don't really know how to do this or whatever, but since that time, just, you know, 
if you keep stepping, the path is revealed yep. and you can you can move forward. And I really like the idea because you know I have a lot of respect for Bobby that he's been able to to do that same thing because ten years behind bars can you know that can be very debilitating for a lot of people even if they had good intentions they might not have the the grit or the you know whatever it takes to turn that around and the idea that you and he are teaming up is awesome and i wonder too because of that is there sort of a is there maybe like a soft spot in you or some sort of uh, like magnetic polar opposite attraction that you have to people who sort of have that dark view of the world that you like to maybe contend with because you know Ivan and Bobby are both prime examples of guys who have the best intentions for the world but view it through a lens darkly and I just wonder those are two of your good friends is that something that's kind of within you that you you'd like to have that maybe contentious viewpoint no not really no 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 um it's not always about um debating or contentions or um you know, same perception, view, but different lens. Lens. Uh, it's not about that. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, no, I mean, I have some friends who are straight. You know, you know, agnostic. I have some um, associates who are straight. I mean, hardcore, militant atheists. Um, so if it's about having the debate Bobby and Ivan don't hold the candle to some of my other associates at all on the, you know, I still can't believe you believe in Jesus. You know, I'm like, <laughs> well, okay. He still loves you. I just piss them off even more, but sometimes I say, well, sometimes I say that just to piss them off. But then sometimes I say it because I mean, it's true. It's very true. Um, you know, and, and usually I've, you know, once they, it gets calmed down and it gets equaled out, um, more of a true question and answer or discussion or, uh, you know, I, I just can't do religion and I've, I don't do religion either. Religion sucks. And they're like, what are you, fuck are you talking about? Did you say that? I mean, yes, I said that. Religion sucks ass. It takes away your faith. You know, and once your faith dies, you're really fucked. You know, those going to fucking ass now. Um, oh, can I say that? I'm sorry, on your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no, this is a, okay. this is a free speech platform. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I've been on one. They're like, you can't say that. I'm like, ah, damn it. All right. Um, but no, it's, um, kind of fire. I was going to apologize. Um, but no, it's, it's not about the contention. Uh, and I'm not, Bobby and I are two guys who can handle violence, who can dole out violence, who is a man. You have faith, you have your woman, and you're a father. We know we're forgiven for what sin and everyone's committed sin. And you can't get away from it. If you don't believe me, read Romans again. <clears throat> Paul very, was very clear in, in Romans about everyone was a sinner. Um, but uh, we're forgiven. We know it. We accept it. We're grateful for grace. Um, and now we just try to you know, do our part, our way of the um, spreading the word, the good news uh, in our own way that reaches people who would not or have a wall up who don't want to hear it um, about it. 
So, you know, there's been an interesting thing that's been happening in my own life that, um, as I said, I was quite religious as a young person and that was by choice. Uh, right. I'm, I'm in Utah and my dad's family helped settle this place and we're the, some of the original Mormon pioneers and settled some of the towns in Utah. And, uh, you know, that was very strong until my dad's generation and he and his four siblings all just sort of walked away from their religion and, and all of them kept some sort of faith in God and, and that kind of thing. But they really just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And my dad told me as a kid, look, you're probably going to want to go to church because you're going to want to hang out with your buddies and they're going to be doing it and you're going to want to. And if you want to, go ahead. If you don't, don't. Either way, I support you and what you want to do. And that's something that you need to figure out for yourself. And so, I, okay. And I went for the friends at first and then I found that I was quite interested in, in the process. And one of the interesting things about the Mormon church, although it's, it's maybe less emphasizing sort of there for you to figure out on your own is it's set up that if you pay close attention, what it's really teaching you is you're supposed to develop your own sort of sacred practice based upon the truth, the unique truth that God has arranged for you to receive. And that's something that when I returned to sort of walking the path of the light, that's one of the things that was right there in front of me was I need to develop a personal sacred practice. I need to have a direct relationship. It's right there. I can, I can talk to my maker right now and he'll talk back to me. And it's not like I hear chance, you must do these things or, or anything like that. It's just, there's a certain, there's a certain language of, you know, destiny or, or God or however people want to think about it. That if you learn how to listen for it, it speaks to you and it tells you the next step or it paints a picture for you and you follow that and good things happen and you go, okay, I, I got right. it now. But like you said, a dogmatic religion tries, it seems it's almost set up to silence that. No, this is, yeah, this course. is how you pray. This is how you talk to God, which is through me, the mediator. And, um, but that's not really how it works. At least it hasn't been in my experience. And interestingly, as I have continued to walk this path and, you know, this podcast is, it's a, it's an act of service on the one hand and it's selfish on the other. I got to talk to cool and interesting people like you, but I also get to extract interesting things and then present them to other people. And every conversation I've had in the past, maybe 15 or 20 episodes with maybe one or two exceptions has moved into the realm of faith and I'm glad to do that because there's so few people out there these days, it seems, who are willing to just say, yeah, you know, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus Christ or, or, or whatever, especially in the Western world. You know, right. I have some Muslim friends and they're more than happy to declare their faith and it's absolute. There's no, there's no question. This is what they believe. No, no. And, Correct. and it's empowering for them to have that. Even if I don't necessarily agree with some of the tenets of their faith, I'm very uh, impressed by the devotion that they show to it. And the Western world, as you well know, and, and you know, it is, this could open up a can of worms, but the Western world's devotion to anything is being eroded and chipped away. and, And people don't really have a strong foundation of faith, of country, of community, of truth even to right. stand right. No, of course not. make shit up. And I wonder there's faith and, and feel free to, you know, 
tie that in, but I wonder where do you see this going and what do you think can be done to maybe steer people back into the idea that there are foundational or bedrock things that you have to build a life on where everything falls out from beneath you and you don't have any life worth living? Because I think it's an important question and sometimes it seems as though there aren't really any good answers. There's many good answers because people think this is something new is happening. This is not new. This is fucking repeating. This is a repeat. This is not even the second repeat. This is like whatever the fourth type of a movie in a series is. <laughs> I mean, how many? I mean, think about it. I, Sodom, I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah is something different. But Israel, how many times did they fall and fuck up? And, you know, um, you know how, how fucked up does a country got to be like Africa to get cursed by God? If you don't believe that, you need to read the Bible again. Um, but there's, this is not new. Um, what will it take to get this country, the Western world, America, just call it, it's a fucking America, um, back to it? Honestly, my opinion, my opinion only, can't, won't. Hmm. There's too many, there's too many signs that are telling me, uh, oh, and by the way, I'm pre-apocalyptic. Rapture and then all the bad shit. So, um, um, or pre-millennials, what they call it, I think, theologically. Um, but no, I, it's can't turn it, can't flip it, can't correct it. This ship's going. It's it's this. There's too many signs. Now, what can you do in the meantime? Um, you know, prepare. And no, let's not rabbit hole everything, stockpile. Um, no, there's still, you still have to protect what is in your kingdom that God has entrusted to you to protect and provide for until, um, I've said it in almost every academy I've taught and I taught, I teach firearms edge weapons and, and the use of deadly force. That's what I teach. You keep fighting until Jesus taps you on the shoulder and says, okay, it's time to quit. So, but I, I, there's too many signs that say that it's really coming. Uh, and I'm not the guy, the crazy guy. I'll probably be the crazy guy on the street corner with my big sign says, the end is near. I'll, I'll, you know, when I get there. But um, I might have an RPG strapped on my back. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but no, there's too many signs. Um, if you really want to, if anybody wants to study, um, apocalypse, the new, the new birth and the, the end days, you have to study revelation and Daniel at the same time. Um, but, um, it's going to happen. I wish it wouldn't. I want my kids to grow up and I want my kids to be grandparents. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Nobody knows. Not even Jesus knows. Only God knows that the father. Um, but, uh, but yes, the, the loss, the lack, the erosion of foundation, faith, standards, um, self-identity, country identity, um, you know, and I'm old enough to remember, you know, the big eight and that's state identity, you know, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Arkansas, um, 
that was always a fun one to watch growing up. But um, if people would value each other, which won't happen ever, there will never be peace on earth until Jesus comes back um, and throws Satan into the pits of hell. Um, that's it. This is it. It's going to just keep getting worse. And are you sort of aligned with the Calvinists in the idea of no, 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 I'm not aligned with no Calvinists. So you, you think that we brought this on ourselves then? No. Um, when Adam and Eve made a decision and Adam committed the first sin of pacifism, being passive, allowing the serpent to manipulate his wife in front of him, which is being the biggest pussy in the world, um, the consequence of being cast out of the garden. Uh, when God, God didn't curse Adam and Eve. He only let them know the consequences of their choice. Um, that they would have to toil in the dirt and stuff like that. When we were cast out, the separation between God and man occurred. Um, from there on out, the temples always had the Holy of Holies in the veil. And that veil was 7 to 12 inches thick. <clears throat> Until Christ died, um, that's when the veil was torn, and it was torn in half from top to bottom. Um, but the separation between God and man allowed selfish men um, to grab a hold of evilness and allow it to turn their hearts. And since then, um, the mantra. Uh, the truth is, hurt people hurt people. Yep. Um, and when that happens, you lose parts of humanity for millennia. Um, I have some, you know, Islamic friends, Muslim friends. I've read the Quran. Um, Me too. A couple different versions, which are translations, depending upon who you who translated it. Um, and I can't help it but look at you know, the first part of it. And after my study, besides of, of the Christian Bible or the Holy Bible, um, and my study of the Torah and, and again, I have Jewish friends, a lot of, um, Jewish friends, Israeli friends, uh, because of my, one of my past lives. And no, I'm not talking about contracting and, and, and that type of stuff. Um, really close into the IDF. And when you get that close to those people, that's that's they know the history. That's why they're wear the uniform every single day. Um, but when I read and read the Quran, and I know the Torah, and I know the hearts and, and minds of, of my associates and my friends, and then the study of the Bible, I can't help it. The first part of the Quran is a copy of the Torah. I mean, it's it's good because of of Abraham's uh, impatience and his wife's impatience to allow him to fuck her handmaiden. And then they get an illeg illegitimate son, Ishmael. And then for him to get cast out, you're going to have a pissed off kid. You're going to have a pissed off son, just like the devil. 
Not that the devil's God's son, but you're going to have somebody pissed off who wants to destroy everything that was his dad's. So, sorry, I went down a rabbit hole. Um, but, uh, uh, um, but yeah, hurt people hurt people. Um, when you hold on to religion and not faith, you're going to get extremism on both sides. Hmm. Um, you know, I've studied uh, American militias, um, especially post uh, Oklahoma City bombing. Um, so you're going to get the, uh, and then in Michigan, was it Michigan? The Hatari hit, I can't say the correct word. Um, the militant Christians who were going to kill cops to start the race war. Mm. It was, it was, they, they were kind of, they didn't know, but they were kind of following um, Manson's idea to start a race war. Um, but yeah, you're going to get both on both sides um, of religion. Any type of religion, you're going to get some wackadoos and some nut jobs and um, who just want to hurt people. You know, I often say of the Quran and it's, I mean, it's quite a beautiful book. I mean, it's written in verse. It's quite an achievement, but I always say, look, this book came about with a guy who was on the run and fighting for his life and his followers were fighting for their life and they were facing death and persecution on every side and just sort of moving around. And, and, and while this religion was taking its shape, that's, those are the conditions under which it was taking shape. It's not, it's not any small wonder that it's a bit of a harsh book. It had to be, they would not oh, have survived. Muhammad, Muhammad's Quran. Medea, yeah. No, no, the original, original Quran that Ishmael and his followers did before, was it 500 years, 600 years later? Before Muhammad picked it up, hmm. go back further. It's the same even then, right? <laughs> it's the exact same yeah, thing, yeah. and it's yeah. you know, it's it's no small wonder that somebody facing that worldview and those conditions would have a harsher view of the world than somebody who was not. Um, especially if you felt like you got the shaft and, you know, right. <laughs> I guess that is what it is. So, you know, I talked with Dave Raboy uh, just last week, um, who's like a national security strategist and, a, and he's a Jewish guy. And I asked him the same question. I said, what do you think can turn it around? He said, nothing. It's, you know, it's, t and we, and we, we talked about the Frankfurt school and, you know, Marx and, right. And he's coming out of there. And then, Antonio Gramsci and his long march through the institutions and like the three generation plan to come in and take the media and take the education and take the local government. And then by the time anybody wakes up to the fact that that's, what's been done it's too late because everybody's already been indoctrinated right. and the foundations have crumbled. And it's like, well, that was a pretty fucking good plan because it worked exactly like you thought it would. And here we are. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's right. over. And I asked him what to do to prepare. And he said, well, I mean, get a ham radio and <laughs> start learning how to communicate offline because you know, it is what it is. And he wasn't, he wasn't suggesting people, you know, doomsday prep either. Although it's not a bad idea to have 50 gallons of water and some food and some bullets stashed away. But, you know, I guess, right. I guess that's what it is. So, you know, you look at society and you go, well, society's buggered and there's not a lot we can do about that. I guess I'm just going to have to focus on me as an individual. 
And the, the truth of the matter is if everybody had been doing that all along, then we probably wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. Like the old Jewish adage, if everybody swept their porch, there'd be no dirty streets. Um, it's sort of right. like, okay, you know, if I make myself into the sharpest individual, I can. Most resilient, most moral, standing on a foundation of principles that I adhere to in every situation, regardless of perceived outcomes, because I know that it's right and it's true. If I, you know, if I take care of my health and my mental health and my family, and, and like you said, take care of the responsibilities that have been given to me, that's sort of the best you can do. And I, I guess I wonder, how do you suggest somebody do that optimally in the world that we're facing? And, and if you think that things are going to only get worse over time, what are some of the directions that you think men especially ought to develop themselves to be able to prepare for the world as it is and the world to come? Um, well, just like any kingdom, any you know, self-sufficient kingdom is never truly self-sufficient. You have to have your treaties, your alliances, your partners, if you will, business partners, um, I think. And no, I'm not a big doomsday prepper. I'm not. Um, I deal with what I'm given. Um, I move forward. I have certain preparations um, ready uh, for what I see and what I think. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I do security consulting <clears throat> as well personal, corporate, uh, physical, um, and personnel. But um, to well round out, you take care of yours, but don't do it behind a veil. Um, when you, just like anything, any hobby, any like, any um, thing that you enjoy, you're going to bump into people who share the same values and same ideas, uh, whether it be, you know, dirt bikers, you're going to run into other dirt bikers. You know, if you're a hunter, you're going to run into other hunters. If you are a golf guy, you're going to run into other golfers. When you do that, you can create friendships. And in those friendships, you can have, you know, alliances, um, agreements, whatever you want to call it. Um, because at some certain point in time, you're going to need to call on somebody to ask for help or ask if they want to partner with you on something, <clears throat> you know, on golf. You call somebody up, hey, I'm going to play golf, you want to go. You know, there are only two seats in a golf cart. You know, split the fees. That's a, that's a, a partner. That's an alliance. Um, dirt biking. You know, if you go dirt biking uh, with another family or crew, you know, something happens, you guys can all fix it together. Um, the Jeep off-road community, those people are, are phenomenal. Uh, I'm not a Jeeper. Um, I don't really care because um, those guys are nuts. But when something happens, they all pull together. They either fix the guy's Jeep, help him get unstuck, get him down the ravine, or, um, you know, the funniest thing I ever saw was uh, the guy crashed his, you know, he rolled his Jeep down the ravine. It was stuck down there. It was done. Um, what everybody do, you know, they help and salvage as much as they could off of it because they ain't coming out so the guy could take the parts home. You know, that's an alliance. That's a partnership. That's treaties amongst everybody. 
because I guarantee he either bought them all a beer or he threw a big party for everybody. Um, three, so I'm a three gun comp, uh, competitor. Um, I'm also, you know, a gunsmith. So when I go to some competitions and somebody's something breaks on them, you know, even though they're my competition, they're a friend, they're an associate of mine. I'm going to fix their stuff for them. You know, they got to pay for the parts, but I'm going to fix it. You know, no labor. Um, that, you know, basically just be you. I don't want to, I don't want to put the label, be a good person, you know, but be, be the best you and still be open. I mean, you don't have to be vulnerable to those people outside your inner circle, but having alliances, which is being just a, being a friend, you know, there's boundaries in being a friend and, um, but be a good friend so you can have a good friend. You know, one thing that my friend Jack Murphy told me the first time I had a conversation with him, I, I asked him, you know, look, man, you've kind of got this this whole social media thing figured out, and I just started this. I mean, I hadn't been on social media until June of last year ever since since MySpace when I was like 19 or something, and then none. <laughs> and, and, you know, there are reasons for that, but he, he said, look, just lead with giving. You want to talk to somebody on your podcast? buy their book and read it and, and tell them, Hey, this is a good book. And here's what I liked about it. Would you like to talk about it on the podcast or, or that kind of thing? And right. one of those, you know, like you talked about, okay, well, I'm, I'm here at this gun competition. Well, somebody's firing pin just busted. I have the tools and the, and the know how to fix it. I'm gonna fix it for him. Well, am I going right. to just let him have a real bad time and be all bitter about it? Sure. He's got to pay for the parts. You know, he's my competition, but I'll fix it for him. And, yeah. uh, I'm just going to go ahead and poke fun at the Jeep community and tell them maybe they wouldn't have to be such a tight community if Jeeps weren't such pieces of shit. But, <laughs> you know. Hey, do you know, who bought, do, you know who, do you know who owns Jeep now? Who? Fiat. Mm, well, there you go. <laughs> why I do I know that? There's, you know, there's, there's a plethora of reasons why I know what company owns what, um, especially when they go international. There's some other weird companies that do some stuff down in Mexico. So, but yeah, Fiat, uh, I helped a buddy, uh, fix his Jeep and his parts came in a Fiat bag. And I'm like, are you shitting me? He's like, what, what? No, I, I wear Jeep parts. <clears throat> I go, this is Fiat. So we did some research and I'm like, oh damn. Something else. I have a funny story about that. That's similar to what you said. I, I had this little Toyota pickup. It was my first vehicle. It was a four wheel drive and it was old. It was like an 89. I had to lock the hubs manually and everything. And, I was digging with a buddy up in the foothills here by my house and uh, it was raining and he slid just right off this hill and into this ravine and it was just so stuck. And we got out a shovel and started digging him out uh, and we figured we'd just go downhill and we'd end up down on the road below and then we'd hike back up or drive back up and get my truck. And then this, <laughs> this uh, like water, um, Boy, what's the what's the word? Anyway, the guy who looks over the the water table came up and gave yeah. us a tic- ticket for uh, damaging the, the the water runoff area, and then just and then just walks it's like he you're gonna give us a ticket, and then does not even help us pull out of here. Just like, well, good luck. Here's your ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and it I started like, I started kind of like, are you serious, man? He's like, well, look, man, you want a ticket too? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's kind of my Jeep story. So I guess 
if I'm hearing you right, it's sort of uh, understand who you are and and make yourself the best version of who that person is and then make sure that you have strong relationships with people who identify or, you know, align with you on certain issues and, and develop those relationships and make strong alliances, but also have strong walls that you don't let people pass on certain issues because you have to keep yourself protected and you don't want to expose yourself to vulnerabilities that won't deliver any benefit to you. So like you're vulnerable with your wife because that's your partner, but even if you have a good friend, there are boundaries and if it's an acquaintance, there's more boundaries, et cetera, so that you can make sure that you have the support you need to make through hard times, but you're also not inviting in hard times because you weren't being wise about the way that you interact with other people. Is that about? Simply, yes. Simply, yes. So it's not the best version of yourself. It's the best, the best, uh, you know, know yourself, you know, find your gifts, find your skills, know your, and we're all been, been blessed with spiritual gifts as well. Um, but you, as an individual, as a man, you don't lose sight of your pursuit and your walk with Jesus. Be vulnerable with your wife. Keep God and Jesus in your marriage. Um, you know, find your good parenting skills and tactics and or whatever <clears throat> you want to call it, your parenting style. Keep Jesus in that as well. So basically, you're, you, you've got your your good friend that's with you all the time and you want to share your friendship with Jesus with pretty much everybody else. But there are certain times when that doesn't work as, um, as um, intimately as with your wife. You know, who you, like again, intimacy is just being vulnerable. Um, who do you trust with your heart? Who do you trust with your, you know, your emotions? Um, who has the best interest for you? But yes, and then outside of your kingdom, you know, form those, you know, not, I mean, and to be intentional about friendships, be intentional about um, who you will allow in your life as well. Uh, but yeah, have your boundaries up. And, and you know, protect what you what you need to protect. You know, protect yourself, protect your wife, protect your kids, protect your kingdom, protect your friends, um, and they all have different levels. Sure, um, you know, there's I have this practice in my life, and I'm I'm a pretty I'm a pretty loyal dude, and I I'm willing to accept a certain amount of shit from people. Um, there are some boundaries that I have that you, if you cross them once, then you're out of my life and there might be dire consequences for you based upon crossing those. But I have, I have a pretty wide tolerance for certain other things. Um, but I, there's this thing inside of me that says this person is damaging your ability to uh, maintain your self-preservation. You got to cut them out no matter who they are. If it's, if it's a friend, if it's a family member, if it's anything, if all they know how to do is hurt you over and over again or betray your trust over and over again, you're, you're just inviting sorrow into your life if you keep them. It might, it might be painful to, you know, cut that relationship off and say, that's, you've, I, 
you've, you've crossed the line too many times and I'm just done with you. I'm sorry and everything, but I have my life. I have my children. I have my wife. I have this life and, and you're interfering with it. So you're not invited into it anymore. Um, and I wonder sort of how you see that because I know a lot of people think if somebody's blood, no matter what they do, you keep them around and, and, and I just don't see things like that. And I wonder where you stand on that and maybe what advice you might have for, for how to make smart boundaries in your relationships and, and develop those sort of um, understanding of like, this is too much and, and now this has to happen because a lot of people don't, you know, most people have a big heart, whether or not they want to admit that or not, they, they right. care a lot. They want people to care about them. And it's hard to, it's hard to maybe sever that connection with somebody, no matter how shitty they are. And I wonder how you approach that in your own life and, and what you might suggest to other people about that. So if you have a toxic person in your life and all I have done is show that their selfishness outweighs their respect for you, your family, your kids, your kingdom, whether it even be um, a family member, like a, um, you know, a drunk abusive father, um, a prescription abusive mother, a brother, a sister, a cousin, uh, but they're blood, you know, blood's thicker than water. Nah, no, it's not, you know, you know how hot you get it. It the water comes out. Um, hmm. So the best way for a man to even begin to establish the boundaries that he should have is does this person hinder or allow me to prosper with the responsibilities I'm supposed to take hold of as a man? Does this person hinder my ability to provide and protect for my family? That might be an example of, have we allowed this person in our house because they've lost where they live, they lost their rent, they lost their apartment, how many times? You know, allowing someone to come stay at your house to out of the kindness of your heart. That's borderline. You know, or they need it for just a couple of days and then they're out, you know, or is it month number three and you're like, hey, motherfucker, you got a job yet? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's hindering your um, finances. That's hindering your protection over your family. You know, if this guy, you know, if, if, even if it's just a friend, you're going to allow a friend to sleep on your couch while you're at work and your wife's at home. Fuck that shit. No. You know, motherfucker, you going you're gonna come you're gonna come sit in in this extra chair at my work while I'm not home. You know, pr protect your family, protect your marriage. Um, you know, uh, there's certain ways to say stuff. You know, tact, which I didn't have tact in my youth at all. Um, you know, I, I I ended up in a brig one time because I told the rear admiral go fuck off. You know, don't do that. Ever, 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 ever. Don't do that. Um, so there is um, the ways, uh, and again, so we're, we're commanded or issued a responsibility to provide protect for our kingdom. We're also needing to be uh, vulnerable and open to our lives. You know, do you have a friend who is dealing with some shit in his life or her life or whatever? 
that hinders your ability to maintain your intimacy with your wife. You know, this, you know, uh, who knows what that could be, uh, substance abuse, alcohol, um, a guy addicted to porn. He's, you know, you're trying to help him out and just, you know, is it going to poison or erode away your defense for your own marriage? You know, if you got a, you know, porn addict friend who's asking you for help all the time and, or sending, he's sending you text pictures of the shit he's seeing online, that's hurting your marriage. Put a, put a foot down or put the foot up his ass, you know, straighten shit out, take care of your shit, it's your kingdom, you know, um, kids, um, you know, do you have a friend, do you have a family member, do you have, um, what's going on right now? They, uh, oh, pedophilia shit. Um, do you have some family member, cousin, uncle, who knows what, you know, a friend, um, something's not right. You're not sure what it is. Your wife said something, you just kind of blow her off. No, you listen, you know, trust your, trust that hair on the back of your neck. When that flag goes up and your wife says something to approach them, you know, that that's a, that's hard, hard one to do too. But nowadays with, again, the devil is not in hell. The devil's here running amok. Um, if shit seems off, protect your kids. You know, tell a person, you know what? If we're going to be family function, then I'm going to know where you're at at all times because something's not right. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to watch you. And the moment you step out of line, I'm going to put a bullet in your fucking head. You know, my kids are my kids. Yes. Um, or, you know, sir, you can do that in Texas. Um, but, you know, somewhere else, you know, I'm watching you. Just put it on them. You know, I'm watching you. My wife's watching you. My fucking dog's watching you. You don't got to obey the law. My dog's watching you. He'll rip your nuts off. You know, type stuff. Um, and that works for me, our family, because I got a bull terrier. And he'll rip some dick off. Um, <laughs> um, but protect your stuff. Keep your boundaries clear. And that's that. And that's another. So again, besides you know, faith or religion kills faith. God's not or Jesus and God's not a pussy. They're strong men who vulnerable. Um, be clear with your boundaries. Say hey, you know, because most guys are like, oh, you know, it's common sense. No, it's it's not common sense. No one knows your boundary unless you say it or put it out. Um. You know, um, as, as you know, protect your wife. If there's boundaries that she, that she has or she wants you to elaborate to somebody else, whether it be a coworker of hers, I mean, don't get her fired because you go up and you be an ass and you show your dick and do whatever else. Go up, you know, at a at a at her if if your wife has to work, um, and she's like, hey, there's this guy who just won't leave me alone. I, you know, we've taught him. I've you know contacted HR. You know, it's time to say something. No, find the right way based upon the circumstance, the evidence, not just the evidence, but, you know, be present. But, yeah, have the clear expectation and a boundary. You don't have to uh, elaborate on the consequences once the boundaries are crossed, because then legally you get you can paint yourself in a corner and that's not really good. Um, but your boundaries are very important and they need to be very clear, which goes into the clear articulate communication. You know, there's, 
there's something I'm known for saying, which is don't be a weak bitch. And a lot of what you do, <laughs> well, you know, look, there's a lot of weak bitches out there. And it, to, to be frank, it pisses me off because I was raised by my dad. I'm an only child. And my dad is a six foot six, 250 pound stack of muscle. And he's, you know, he's kind of one of these guys. Just I'm, yeah. it's the way I say it's going to be. And that's the only option. And I was raised and I had right. to contend with that. And I'm a lot like that. And when I, when I see these kind of wimpy, wishy-washy guys or whatever, it's like, stop that. Why would you be that way? That's, and like you said, look, I've struggled with tact and with being blunt and, and finding maybe an appropriate way to communicate. And I'm, and I'm working on that myself. That's one of my things. But right. sometimes all it takes is, you know, you, you feel something's off or maybe someone just like is testing your line and you say, I'm watching what you're doing and I don't like right. that. And right. then sometimes that's all it has to say, especially if you say it like that, you know, if you're like, I, yeah, I don't like that. Stop. You know, okay. Well now they know that you're, you're not s stable. You're right. not, you know, strong. You're just kind of being wimpy and squishy about it. But just say, Hey, that stops. And you know, even with my wife's family, they got kids and nobody wants to be the mean guy. And whenever I'm around, hey, don't do that. Stop it. And I'll, and I'll tell a neighbor kid, you know, these, I have an abandoned house next to me. My neighbors moved out and some of the neighborhood kids were over there, you know, poking the house with sticks and shooting the windows with BB guns. What are you doing? Nothing. Stop it. Get out of here. And now they probably don't like me, but why do I care? You know, ah. Kids get yeah. away with that. And they're little monsters and then become big monsters and they hurt people. It's like, uh, you know, I guess what I'm saying is I definitely agree with what you just said establish boundaries and be very clear with where they are and maybe not so clear with the consequences because you can get in trouble for that. But if, if somebody right. crosses your lines and you let them know they crossed the line, and you're not going to accept that. You don't really have to expand upon the consequences because um, they're going to understand that you're serious about it. If you express that you're serious about it and then the consequences will be there if they continue to push you and some people will. And you know, oh. not everybody, not everybody who's doing the wrong thing is a bitch either. I mean, there are some that are just that squishy type, but there are oh. some hardcore dudes who break the rules and they like to do that. And you say, here's a boundary and they say, well, fuck you. I'm across it and we're going to see what happens. And you know, you'd better be prepared. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's on a Thursday. Hopefully it's on a Thursday. Why a Thursday? Throw punch Thursday. Oh, well, there you go. And then you uh, you still got to go to work on Friday though, so that's kind of disappointing. Well, they can't fucking breathe. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I have a question for you. Um, Shoot. You know you you're very strong in your faith. You're very strong yeah. in your faith, specifically in Jesus Christ. And to a lot of people, Jesus Christ is a very useful metaphor for aligning their life with certain principles. And to other people um, like you, Jesus Christ is very literally a man and the son of God and is a, is a certain person who walked the earth and um, now exists in another place and is going to literally come back here and, and do the things he's um, been hired to do. <laughs> but you talked also about sort of, developing your relationship with Jesus and developing that in the context of your marital relationship and in your friendships and 
in your acquaintances and sort of walking the path to Jesus all the way through there. And then sometimes it doesn't work out. And let's say that a person hasn't made up their mind or is doubtful about Jesus, the man, but still they look into the Bible and they say, well, there's some really useful things that I could bring into my life. I wonder what you would say to a person who is interested in maybe adhering to some of the principles that um, are contained within that book, but haven't decided or have decided that maybe Jesus isn't a person or I don't know if he's a person, but I still want to live by some of these things. How would you, how would you help them navigate to the point where they could integrate some of those things and walk with those things with confidence and, and with some sort of faith in their lives um, and stand strong in those beliefs rather than let the narrative and the, and the influences of maybe the opposition push them outside of their, their beliefs and what they think to be true for convenience or for fear or whatever. Right. Oh yeah. Um, first off. Yeah. I, I am very um, foundational film. Um, um, it's very integrated in my, in everything I do. I mean, everything from shooting, pulling the trigger, using a knife, teaching how to, I teach people how to kill people who have posed a threat to that person or other people. That's what it is. Um, justified homicide, what are you going to call it? That's what I teach people to do. Um, it's justified. It's in the Bible. Um, and again, besides, um, I'm going to go off topic a little bit and I'll come right back. The use of force, deadly force, to kill somebody else, to protect your life and your family's life, um, is uh, based on Paul's teaching in Romans, um, not about when Jesus says, you know, be it a plow into a sword, get a, go get a sword type thing. But if you go back Old Testament and Exodus, when they were talking about um, when the husband heard somebody in the house in the tent, he didn't know that guy's intent of why he was there. So he killed him. And that, bad guy that bad choice man blood is not on the husband the protector of the tent the house the family because he did not know he should not have been there he didn't know the intent which doesn't really matter so don't let tv or movies or um the liberals and, and that type of you know twist it you don't have to know the intent he's not should have been there you're protecting your family it was also in pitch black because they didn't have electricity back then. Um, so that's where you find your justification for Christians to arm themselves, know how to take care of stuff, take care of business, but do it reasonably um, and within the laws of where they live. Coming back to this, um, I would, I talk about God a lot, talk about Jesus a lot. I am not a Bible thumper, nor would I ever become a Bible thumper. I don't, and nor would I, and nor do I allow anybody on my team, my family, to be one of those um, the, the ones who take Jesus and shove it down your throat. I, I don't do that. You ask me questions, I'm going to tell you. If it offends you, I might tone it back a little bit. But I need you to know and fully understand and accept that's where I come from. That's what is my center. So 
if it offends you, I'll tone it back a little bit. But the moment you ask me to cut it out, we're going to stop the conversation. Um, you, but you haven't done that, but that I've, it's happened before. Um, if somebody doesn't, nor do they want to accept that Jesus was born of a virgin, did his ministry for three years, grabbed 12 kids, and they were kids, taught them everything that he could possibly teach them and equip them to spread the good news of Christ's redemptive grace into the world, and then was crucified, but then rose again on the third day, and then as the, and gave the biggest gift to humanity in Pentecost, you don't want to accept that? Hey, that's fine. But what if I'm right? Type of thing. But the principles laid out in the Bible, the principles that Jesus taught on, the teachings, if you want to just leave it down um, like that, uh, that pill to swallow is easier. They're just teachings that are good teachings. The golden rule, um, do unto others as they would do unto you. Um, tithe, give 10% back to God because you can live on 9%, not that big a deal. Um, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, those were to show people, not to give them dread, not to make them fear, but make them realize that they truly cannot earn your way into heaven. You get to heaven by accepting the free gift and then, and then having grace bestowed on you. But if you want to take those good things for your life, those good things that are in the Holy Bible, and implementing them in your life, go for it. I will give you every bit of support. You have a question, we'll talk about it. You don't like something, hey, it's your life. You take what, apply what you want to apply. Uh, Bruce Lee, you know, he was a great philosopher as well. You know, what works for you, take it. You know, only accept what will work. Um, but yeah, if you want to do that, go ahead. I will support that. I will encourage that. And then later, if you have more questions about building or developing or even accepting a relationship with Jesus and God, I'm there for that. Those questions too. But again, I'm not a I'm not a Bible thumper, and I don't shove Jesus down anybody's throat. But if you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you where my center and where my answer comes from. Um, but it is an individual choice for that relationship for every single person on the face of the earth. You know, I like that perspective and I really, I've always found it very strange. <laughs> this sort of uh, judgmental approach to Christianity. It's like, are you sure you read this book? Because I read this book and what I took from it, you know, I always point out the situation um, with the prostitute and the stoning and Jesus shows up and says, yeah, okay, cool. Go ahead. <laughs> Let he without sin cast the first stone. Right. And he just, down and you know, the Bible says he starts drawing in the dirt. And then after a while he looks up, just everybody's gone. And the only person there without sin, he just kind of, you know, everybody leaves after he totally just like sort of bitch smacked him with one oh, sentence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And everybody's gone and he looks up and 
And I've always, just as a sort of a random aside, I always wonder what he was drawing in the dirt there. Seems significant, but he looks up and he says, look, I'm not going to chuck any rocks at you. Sin no more and go about your way, you know? I, yeah. and, and that kind of thing is like, that's one of the most impactful stories that I took away from uh, the New Testament in particular. It's like, and you know, pull the beam out of your eye before you worry about my moat. It's that kind of thing. But then you're going to go around just like shoving it down people's right. throats and judging them because they believe something different than you. That that seems oh, yeah. very, you didn't get the message, dude. Um, right. So I appreciate that perspective. And, and I think uh, it's it seems rather uncommon. And, uh, and I like that you're a holder of that kind of position. So look, we've been going now for about an hour and a half. And oh, <laughs> no, that's, that's great. And yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot in here for people to engage with and unpack. And, um, it sounds like you're pretty open to people have questions about a lot of things, just reach out and, and you'd be happy to do that. Um, but let's say, you know, we've had this conversation and I'm grateful for you to come and share your time and your thoughts with me, but a lot of people listen to this podcast too. And let's say whoever it is in your head that you imagine we think about who's listening to this, they're sitting in front of you and they say, you know, Mr. Swift, I really like a lot of the things that you talked about. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in alignment with the idea that I should um, take the things about me that are unique and are positive and amplify those things and that I should protect the things that I've been given and I should make myself into the kind of person who can do that. And then I should stand on my convictions. But... I'm not that way right now and I'm not sure where to start, but I want to become that kind of man. What are maybe one or two things that you would tell that person sitting across from you that might give them the the best opportunity to set themselves on the path where they would be able to become that kind of man or a woman for that matter, frankly. Right. Oh yeah, of course. Um, My, Again, it's usually my response um, that that comes up uh, from my fount um, usually is individually based. So the person you asked who I have in my mind would be the last kid, even though he was 35, he was a kid to me. Um, he asked sort of that same question. Uh, his life, um, he'd blown it up a couple of times. Um, he's also experienced some um, deaths and some traumatic, traumatic events in his life. Um, he didn't know which, he put it to me, I don't know which way is up anymore. Uh, he's like, I, I've, I've done this, I've done that, I've blown up my life. Um, you know, I was raised, you know, I went to church when I was a kid, um, but it wasn't for me. You know, there's too many rules. So again, religion killed faith. Um, he'd done this, he'd done that, he's been around, you know. Um, he's like, I don't know which way's up anymore, um, but I'm tired because I'm not, I don't know what I'm seeking for and I haven't found it yet. Is another thing he told me. Hmm. So a little bit, a little bit more deep digging. Um, he's like, I'm, I'm not ready for Jesus because I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, but I want to be good. I'm like, well, we can work with that. I go, he can work with that. Um, my advice to him was to 
think back or think where in his mind where he finds peace, like true peace. So for me, I find true peace and I connect with God and Jesus usually in nature, uh, whether it be, you know, mountain. I don't climb mountains anymore like my other, you know, like Nick Lowry. Crazy shit. But in my younger days, yeah, in the it, mountaintop on the mountains. Um, um, I also would bump into God and Jesus on the ocean, you know, on a beach. Um, anything for me, pretty much anything to do with water, um, diving, you know, fishing, um, sailing, especially sailing. Uh, it's something that's pushing that big a fucking vessel and you can't see it, but you know, it's there again, Holy Spirit, that shit can move mountains. Um, but uh, find where you feel peace. You know, if you can't afford to go there where you think it is, you know, we all find peace anywhere we are. If you can let go of chaos, if you can let go of the world for a little bit, sometimes somebody's got to turn Twitter off or some, you know, just turn your crap off for a while, but find peace. Um, until I can get back to the ocean, um, which is going to be soon here pretty quick. Um, my hammock in my backyard, you know, I'm not taking a nap, but I'm, I'm meditating. I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I have peace there. Um, but find that spot, find that place, go there, go at least once a day for about 30 minutes. Give yourself that 30 minutes of that peace. Think. Don't just be surface thinking, um, but think, you know, I have peace. What am I worried about? What do I care about? Um, what do I want? What do I want that's bigger than myself as well? What am I willing to sacrifice something or everything in my life for? Where's your passion? Where's your love? So I... I suggested that to him and he did it. He had an answer for me pretty quick. Um, and then again, also, um, I go, if you have a Bible, if you don't, I can get you one. Um, but read only the red words. Listen, listen to what Jesus is saying specifically. Um, I'm not big on the new King James version because old English. Um, I like the English standard version, ESV, uh, or the Holcomb versions, the translations. Um, but read, make sure it's a red letter Bible, but read what Jesus is saying. And if you're not sure of the context, there's a website called blueletterbible.com, and it will actually go back to the original Greek to give you the original context of what Jesus is saying. And like you, and like you said, sometimes when Jesus was saying something to certain people, it's like a bitch slap. It's a pimp slap, what it is. You know, kind of like, kind of like the old, you know, your, your mom, your dad. What the fuck are you thinking? You pow. Fuck, shit. Okay, okay, I'll straighten up. You know, um, and Jesus was sarcastic. Oh, For my sure. God. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, so, you know, um, sometimes I think he had some Yankee in him, or he, you know, he, he channeled some of that Yankee stuff. That sarcasm was awesome. 
especially if you grab the original context when he would say something to those people, you know, brood of vipers, check out that context. You know, if someone, you know, makes you, forces you, if the soldier forces you to a mile, go an extra one. Um, uh, another friend of mine on Twitter, him and I text back and forth. We actually, him and I have done um, some Bible studies together through Uversion. Um, anyways, he got hold of me one time. He goes, that one is, a, that's a slap in the face to a Roman soldier. For a Roman soldier to say, you know, you have to carry my gear for a mile and you do it. Or they did it back then. But instead of dropping it, which that was a law, the soldier could say, carry my stuff. And you would carry it for one mile and then you could set it down and walk away. And you got back to your day. But if you carried it for another mile, it was a slap in his face. And then his commander, he got punished for it. Hmm. So. Um, again, find your peace, find your peaceful spot where you can look, inflect, um, look into yourself, and then at a separate time during the day, read, try to understand, or just check the context of the red words in the Bible, because that is just what Jesus said. Um, and of course, again, always the, the all argument and debate, you know, the, the Bible was wrote by men, blah, blah, blah. There was a lawyer, uh, what was it, a hundred years, a Jewish lawyer, uh, so basically a Sadducee, or um, not a Pharisee, but a Sadducee, um, wanted to prove that what they wrote was false. So almost a hundred years, all the eyewitnesses were still alive when Jesus uh, rose again after resurrection, um, and he proved that Jesus really did what he said he did. So, and then even the Jewish uh, historian that worked for the Roman Empire, Jehoshaphat, he was not a Christian. He was not a believer of, of the new way. He wrote and recorded that Jesus was real. So, um, and again, I've been in those debates before. Um, not me being the debater, but observing the debate. Uh, by theologians about the Bible being real, um, the Word of God, um, and then Jesus being real on earth and doing certain things, um, his miracles. So, yeah, it was that, that's pretty much what I would say. You know, find your peace, find your peaceful spot so you can uh, reflect, inflect, figure out what you want, why you want what you want, or why you want something bigger than yourself, and then read what Jesus says about life. You know, I ask that question at the end of every episode. And it's never complicated advice. It's never, you know, some 12 steps to magic powers or, you know, it's just, it's always, it's always the stuff that you would assume that people would do. But how many times in your own life have you gone against some of these simple things? You know, like my last guest just said, look, just, just breathe. Take a second take a deep breath or two and remind yourself that there's the input and then there's your reaction. And it might seem like you don't have any control over that, but you can prove it to yourself every time by just taking a breath, two breaths, give yourself that little gap in between and you remind yourself, I have control over who I am. And it's the same right. with what you just said. You know, everybody knows that you get butt hurt, you go take a second to cool off and then they forget that, well, Life can be stressful and stuff piles on if you don't take 
the time for yourself to clear that shit out of you that it builds up over time and then it ends up dumping on somebody and if you're the kind of person who has a high tolerance and then explodes out well then things can go really wrong and if you take the time every day or almost every day for yourself to clear that out and cool off and and deal with the things then you're going to be a lot better off every day and all throughout the day and i really appreciate that and also i like the emphasis of just just go read what jesus said i mean there's a reason that that book has been around for more than 2000 you know well i i guess just under 2000 years really but, <laughs> right the, the point is it's not because it's <laughs> even if you don't believe in jesus christ even if you don't believe that it's um, the literal wor- word of god in there it's a good book there's a reason it's called the good book and it's because there's every every kind of situation you could run into as a human, there's an analog in there. And even if you don't agree with how it ends up in the book, it gives you something to contend with so that you can make up your own mind about it. I um, mean, right. especially the in there who's supposed to be the culmination of everything. If you just read what he said, Hey, maybe that's a shortcut to some stuff in there. So oh, I, yeah, very much so. So look, number one, um, like I said before, but I want to reiterate, I really appreciate you taking the time to come talk with me and share your thoughts and your time with me and with the people who listen to this podcast. Um, you know, I'm I'm grateful to you. And also I'd like to give you the time now, and this is a great time to do this. Um, why don't you tell the people where they can find you, uh, you know, on the internet, on social media, this kind of stuff. And then if there's anybody that you'd like to specifically say hello to, or to point people to even, uh, this would be a great time to do that. Gotcha. No worries. Uh, again, Praetorian Swift, dot com um if you can't spell praetorian just type in praetorian guard from the roman empire and you you, as a cheat sheet uh to get to praetorian swift um it's just a landing page sign up for the emails Uh, there will be emails coming out i've had a lot of stuff come up the past four months that has hindered my ability to um, get emails out um, efficiently my apologies um, even though Ivan tells me, don't ever apologize. I'm like, ah, go fuck off. Um, <laughs> I apologize. Um, there are emails coming out. There will be more offerings coming out. Uh, pistol classes, shotgun classes, rifle classes, knife classes. Um, I have a few openings for coaching uh, that are about to come up pretty soon. Um, some graduates are about to graduate, of course. Um, play on words. Um, with my coaching, I do it differently than pretty much anybody else. Um, if you're interested, email me uh, at swift at PretorianSwift.com. On Twitter, what is my handle on Twitter? At Swift. That's easy. Um, I've got an Instagram page. Um, not a lot goes on there just because, again, um, I do the best I can with what I have. I have five kids. I'm running two businesses. Um, I work. I'm, I'm in school. I've got a little bit left for this another degree. Um, but again, it sounds like an excuse. It's just the truth. Um, I wish I had the ability to just focus on this, but I don't. But I do my best for uh, my coaching clients. Uh, to me, they're not really clients. They become friends. Um, so, um, again, spots are coming open on coaching. If you want to know about it, uh, pretty much we do a hour long session to begin with. 
we talk about your crap, what I think, my opinions, my advice, my observations, and then I check on you every other week for six weeks to make sure your shit is straight, your head's straight, your marriage is straight, your kids are straight. Um, uh, sometimes I surprise people. Uh, I flew down to Dallas to surprise um, a kid of mine here, or not kid kid, but one of my coaching clients. Um, and I had, uh, with, I took him to the range for a day besides his other stress and then successes in life. Uh, he got a one hell of a shooting day that day on how to protect his wife, his kids and his businesses. Um, you know, cause these, these, some of these kids, these guys, um, are doing really well in business and they have lots of stuff. And sometimes bad people want to take your shit. And when they come to take your shit, you got to give them bad shit back. So I coach and teach on that as well. Um, security consulting. Um, if you're interested in my um, view for you, your house, your life, um, contact me. And we'll set something up. Other than that, watch for the bridge. Bobby Dino and myself. Um, and as of the other day, that nut job in Washington, um, Ivan got a hold of me and asked if we would do some more training for groups, teams, and individuals um, who live in Antifa-rich territory. And that's coming up as well. Other than that, I really can't think of anything else. I have a lot of great friends, good friends that I've met on Twitter, have met in person. Um, Apparently, you're going to be one of those I'm going to have to meet in person uh, and probably slap your ass. For some reason, I don't know why. But <laughs> I'm I'm kosher with the first part. We're going to have to have a talk about that yeah. second half. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, so so AJ's friend of mine. He went to um, my immersion forge uh, to break some parts of your life to to break free to to grow better. Um, again, Jeremy Fox good friend of mine, Nick Lowry. Um, I do some, uh, he doesn't pay for it yet. Uh, some business coaching I do for him and his, his business partner. Um, some ideas and, and some other networking. Um, again, Ivan, Bobby, uh, you know, Anthony Johnson, um, Jack Murphy. He's a friend of mine. You mentioned it earlier. Um, he's a hoot. Um, yeah, I got, I've met a lot of great people um, on Twitter um, and then in person. Um, I don't know when this is going to get released, but this weekend I'm actually teaching a firearms class for the first ever fraternity of excellence gathering here in Colorado. Very cool. And, uh, you know, uh, Hunter is a buddy of mine. I just had a conversation with Jans. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting Essentially, every person you talked about today, besides Ivan, has been on this podcast. And whenever I decide I want to spend, you know, 200 bucks to hire the translator to have Ivan on this podcast, I, I've got to go ahead to do that. He's like, you gotta, you've, you've got to pay for the translator. You know how many times people ask me to be on the podcast? <laughs> I'm sure, man. I know. So... Hey. Uh, he goes, he goes, he goes, hey, I can be on the bridge now. I go, fuck you. You pay for your own translator. He goes, no, no, I can do it in person. He goes, I can do it in person so I can read you. I'm like, 
I'm going to talk like this the whole fucking time. <laughs> Man. Fuck you, Swift. He goes, he will, he will fuck you, Swift. He goes, fucking mercenaries. I'm like, yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> people, people wouldn't think so, if, especially if they don't take the time to really understand what he's doing. But he has such a good sense of humor about himself, and he's so ready to just not take himself too seriously as long as you're not you know being a bitch basically I, I mean i did that impression of him and the only request he had because i kind of reached out because that's kind of a little iffy territory there it's like oh yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna imitate a, a, a deaf guy talking i better talk to ivan and see if that's going to be something he's going to fly out <laughs> me for he's just like look the only request i have is make sure that you um can see your mouth well he said make sure you do closed captions so i can yeah read and I was like, yeah, okay, perfect. And I did that, and he had a laugh about it and everything. So that was, you know, that's just the kind of guy that he is. So it's it's funny to hear you joking with him like that too. Um, oh no, yeah, I still got a, I still got a stun gun. Him. <laughs> is that sort of uh, something you got to do with all your good friends? Just tase them. Well, him especially, because so when we when so it was my idea, but I did it for him business wise. So again, business consulting. Um, I'm like, dude, let me let me pepper spray you while you're doing some uh, uh, burpees, and he's like, but I can't. So his um, his balance is not like everybody else's, so he can't physically move too much in a big complex move if he can't see. So I'm mm. like, okay, burpees out. So I'm like, okay, here I have my so that big log he was carrying. If you watch that video, um, that I I've nicknamed that dedication. Um, so he was doing. Um, the shoulder presses with dedication when he got uh, we pepper sprayed him. So, and then he's like, Hey, can we up that? I'm like, I can tell you. And he's like, No, I'm like, Oh, no, it's gonna happen now. He's like, No, I'm like, You don't get a say. I'm done. I've chosen. <laughs> we'll make sure to film that too. That's gonna be a time. Oh, no, we will. Oh, we will. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see that. But look, I've taken enough of your time. Uh, once again, I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, and you know, Colorado is not too far away. Uh, so, and I got a lot of friends out there. I got my buddy Roman McClay up at 8,700 feet who I'm really looking forward to meeting and Nick and Jeremy better get out there before Jeremy decides to move back home too. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'd love the opportunity to shake your hand and to try to avoid getting tased or whatever. So that'll be good. But beyond that, um, just thanks again for coming on. And I really think people are going to have a lot here to digest and to take with them. So um, I guess if you're good, I'm good, my man. I'm good. And I appreciate it. And you're very welcome for, but yeah, thanks again for your invitation. Um, it's my honor. Absolutely. Um, well, in that case, this has been the Logo Centrifugal podcast. I've been Chance Lunsford. He's been Praetorian Swift. And we are both out of here. We here at the Logocentrifugal Podcast work hard to bring you the highest quality audio, the best editing, and the most professionalism of any podcast on the market. Either that or we do the exact opposite. Either way, consider supporting the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can support the podcast by supporting the podcast. There's a link somewhere, and I encourage you to click the link to support the podcast professionally. Thank <laughs> you.